Hello and welcome to the Sweatshirt Chronicles. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> I'm Lauren. I am Leo. And this is our podcast, I guess. This is our first ever episode. It is. We decided a little while back, I mean, during quarantine, everyone's kind of bored and not sure what to do. So we decided, you know what? We we like listening to podcasts. We have a lot of opinions and no one actually wants to hear them, but we'll record them anyways. Yeah. And like Leo just talks so much. So it's like, we might as well get a, a microphone in front of this kid anyway. Yeah. So yeah, this is our, it's the Sweatshirt Chronicles. Um, do you want to tell us about the yeah, name? Yeah, about the name. So this, the Sweatshirt Chronicles, me and Leo sat down, what, last week mm-hmm. for what I think is an hour. He claims it was much less than that. Um, just throwing around name ideas for this podcast. We came up with what? Like 10 names. But... A lot of good ones. I liked one All that right. we came up with was <laughs> The Nerd and the Hippie. I did I like, like that. that. I like that one, but I can't remember stick. many others that we came up with. Um, but all of the names we came up with either were already taken from other podcasts, or one of us just had had something against it. So we that night were going to the beach to go for a walk with my mom, and we were putting on our sweatshirts because it's a little chilly out. And my mom was like, "Haha, sweatshirt chronicles," and we were like, "You know what?" Screw it. That's the name because we obviously cannot think of anything else. So here we are. Um, we were in hoodies to start with because we thought that would kind of set the mood, but it is smoldering hot in Leo's basement right now. So we're just we're just holding the hoodies. Um, they're still present. Don't worry. But yeah, no. This podcast is really going to be aimed at. We have a lot of good topics that we're going to be covering. Yeah. Everything from um the environment to healthy relationships to being best friends with people um it's going to be a very broad uh sense of different topics but today we're going to be talking about racism uh that's obviously a huge issue going on right now in the country it's been going on uh since 1619 um but we're going to be not only kind of giving our own opinions, now we're both extremely under um, <laughs> underqualified for, to have this conversation, and we're both white, and we're both privileged, so, and we're gonna, we recognize that. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about our opinions on how things need to change in this country, um, as well as have on uh, the podcast an interview with uh, my best friend, Lauren's best friend, El Hajsek, um, who will be sharing his opinion on how he thinks this country needs to change, his own experiences with racism, and the likes. So, shall we get into it? Let's go. So, I wanted to start this off right off the bat, just saying that... um, I have been personally planning to start a podcast since I think about April, um, right in the heart of quarantine. So originally me and my older sister wanted to have a podcast, um, not really about anything in particular, just talking about our childhood experiences and reviewing different things. I was on the podcast once and all they did was make fun of me for 30 minutes. I I don't even remember what we talked about, but yeah. Um, and then me and my sister kind of came to the conclusion that it wasn't such a great idea because she lives in San Francisco and we wouldn't know how we were going to go on from there recording together. 
So then for a while, I was thinking that me, myself would start a podcast. And that was kind of what I was banking on. Sorry, Leo. Um, But I was starting to get things in the works, starting to make plans. And I was actually holding off for a while putting out a podcast because of kind of everything going on in the world right now concerning mainly racism. Um, I didn't want to take the spotlight away from anything or anything like that, especially in the times when social media was really kind of centered around racism and everything going on, police brutality, all that. So I had been putting off kind of taking the attention away or even being, I thought that I would be judged by putting out a podcast that wasn't talking about racism. And I didn't want to talk about racism because I feel like I was so uncomfortable with it. Um, Again, I am super unqualified in every way to be speaking of it. We're really just talking on our opinions right now. But I was so scared and uncomfortable of the topic um, and scared to be uncomfortable with it and scared to talk about it. And after a lot of thinking, I ended up texting Leo and saying, I want to make a podcast and I want the first episode to be about racism and to be about everything going on in the world and every all the fucked up stuff happening right now. Because I've kind of come to the conclusion that if a conversation is uncomfortable, it's the conversation that needs to be had and that we need to normalize a conversation around racism because that is such a big part of the problem today that people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to have these conversations. They want to avoid it. And that is a large reason why racism is still so prevalent to this day. So I just kind of want to apologize for not using my voice and using my privilege and using my platform earlier, um, years earlier even. But yeah, I'm sorry. And that is why I'm sitting here today talking about it and trying to normalize it and encourage these uncomfortable conversations, so. And I think that's a good segue into kind of our first little mini topic here, which is a lot about the importance of getting comfortable being uncomfortable and and really normalizing this conversation. And I think the first thing that we, we can kind of put out there is that, you know, if you're listening to this right now and this, what we're talking about right now is making you uncomfortable, I think that's your first moment where you need to recognize that maybe it's time for you to do a little self-reflection of why is that making you uncomfortable? You know, no one, no one believe, no one is going to say to you if you have prejudices necessarily that you're racist, but you do need to, everyone has these, you know, ideas in their head or these, these prejudices. It's, it's just human nature. That's how people think that's how the world and society works and it's really up to you to have these uncomfortable moments with yourself to really think you know why do I feel that way like what what made me feel that way how can I be better at avoiding thinking that way or feeling that way and I think that's that's a lot about you know who you are as a person you know you no, nothing is com- nothing that is hard is comfortable period i mean l- we both had a professor who 
was a huge mountain climber who was a strong believer that, you know, you need to step outside of your comfort zone to be able to do anything in life, to make any change. And I think, you know, as white people, you know, we, we don't have, we've not experienced the same things that, you know, black people have, Latino people have, Asian people have. We, we, we have not had to deal with that. And that's a privilege on our part. And I think that just because we're white, though, doesn't mean that we can't do anything. I think, you know, you have to be comfortable or you have to get uncomfortable to be able to make change. You know, we all we all live in a, in a collaborative society. We all live together in this in one world. You know, it's no one's going getting off this world anytime soon. And if you do, you're coming back because that's how astronauts work. But, you know, I think that at the end of the day, we, need, we all need to strive to make the world a better place. You know, as generations go on, we, we can't allow these constant issues that we've seen time and time again. I mean, you look at even before, and I'm going to make myself sound really young, but even before the uh the LA riots in the 90s you know it was the very 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 similar thing that happened um you know police beating up a black man for very little reasons why and the same thing is happening today and cities are burning down and and or not burning down but buildings are being bur- uh, burnt and protests are being made loud and 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 at times have become violent and there's a reason for that because that was over 20 years ago and nothing has changed so i think that's i mean that's that's a pretty serious way to start off this podcast and and we're not we're not trying to make anything light like super super light because this is a serious topic but i mean what what do you think is how 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 has this time helped you have made you think of how how can i be comfortable being uncomfortable yeah so, I mean, I feel like the, f- so I, have you seen the movie Straight Outta Compton yet? No. Okay. So in the movie Straight Outta Compton, it's set in what, like the late eighties, maybe yeah. mid eighties. NWA, yeah. Um, so I remember watching that movie. It came out not too long ago, but mm-hmm. I remember watching that movie and seeing a big portion of that is that's highlighted is police brutality in that movie. And I remember it being so not confused because I'm not that ignorant to know that that doesn't exist and hasn't existed for as long as anything has any he- whoa has existed um but I remember that's the most recent thing I can remember that I was just kind of like yo what the hell is going on so I feel like since seeing that it I've been just since then just like non-stop seeing it at all times and I don't know if I'm just lucky enough to have been ignorant before then to have not seen it actually I know I'm lucky enough um but I don't know this is so obviously the first big recent thing this year that has kind of sparked a lot of the movement is George Floyd and I remember watching the news and I feel like for weeks they just had on a loop the video of him dying and I just I don't know I feel like when I see videos like that, and you'll see them like on people's Instagram stories of police just beating the shit out of like these people, 
And I feel, I don't know how much good actually seeing these videos does. Seeing people just, like I said, beat the shit out of or even killed. Um, obviously it hits home and pulls the heartstrings a lot. But I feel like it shouldn't take seeing a video of a person dying to spark this change. Yeah, and I think I think you bring up a really good point about, you know, sharing these videos on social media. Now, no one, you know, it's the same thing as like when there's, or not the same thing, but it's similar in when there's, you know, a really bad sports injury in a basketball game or a football game. You know, they usually pretty quickly pan away. Yeah. They don't show a replay because no one wants to have to see that again, you know, because it's terrifying to watch someone's knee suddenly go the wrong way right. or them pass like get hit in the head and then immediately drop to the ground like unconscious like that's that's a scary thing and it's terrifying to watch someone you know have their their some have a police officer kneel on their neck for nine minutes it's it's absolutely horrifying and i think while yes do i want to see that again and again and again thrown in my face no no normal you know human wants to see that but i think that's part of the reason why it's shared is that you know we don't see that every day yeah but minorities do see that every day yeah. in the sense of they don't they might not see someone die in by the the hands of police every single day but they have to deal with these problems every single day that we don't and so i think it's extremely important to to share things like that so people who are trying to avo actively avoid it because yeah. they don't want to have to deal Being with it. Yeah. They don't have to be uncomfortable, have to be uncomfortable. Yeah. They have to see it. And I think, you know, George Floyd's death was a very interesting case for this country because I think, you know, not only did it open the eyes to a lot of people who were not minorities and may not have actively search for social change in the past it made those people so uncomfortable to see something like that happen in front of their eyes to see him call out for his mom to call say he can't breathe things like that that it made a lot of people just say you know what that's it i don't care like i'm gonna use my privilege and that, that kind of this kind of leads into the next topic but I'm going to use my privilege of being white and being able to, you know, go to these protests without having to worry about, you know, the cops suddenly beating the crap out of me. I'm going to, you know, post on my social media because I know that I have friends and family who are actively trying to avoid this topic. So I can share with them that this is what needs to be seen, what needs to be heard, what needs to be talked about. And... Yeah, as I said, that kind of leads into our next, our next little conversation here about the importance of of using our own privilege to to be able to push these these conversations. I mean, we're you know privil we're white, we're privileged enough to you know be able to record a podcast. We have the right mic, the right software to set this all up, and that that's privilege in and of itself to be able to get our voices out. And a big part of this is we don't want. To it just to be us talking so we will be bringing on el hodge later um but i mean how do you think how do you think what's a good way to do for someone who's listening to this right now who is privileged to be able to you know make their voice heard 
um, but also while propping up minority voices. Yeah, so I'm trying to think of things that we have done because I feel like we've been really actively engaged through the whole process, um, or at least since the murder of George Floyd. Um, I don't know... I don't know if this is something you can so much do now, but what a lot of what we did earlier was just being present at those protests, but not taking the voices away from minorities. So at the protests that we had attended, there was the first person that comes to mind is was this black um, female high school student who spoke. And she had talked about um, thanking all of the white people for being there, but also thanking the people for not taking the spotlight away and for allowing black people to amplify their voices. And that is our major role right now. That's how you need to be an ally. You need to be able to help educate and be sharing these posts on your stories about um, educating on systematic racism and all that kind of stuff. But you also need to be not kind of just taking all the spotlight and saying, oh, these are my experiences with racism. This is what I think about racism. And allowing the people who have actually experienced racism to shine through and talk about their experiences. Because those are the ones that are going to really open our eyes, um, like we had said earlier, and make those big changes. And again, if you're sharing these things on your Instagram stories, I know you probably are like, oh, well, I don't have that many followers anyway. Um, you guys, everyone else is sharing them anyway. I don't need to share them. You've already seen them. Share them. I know I, at least, when I go through people's Instagram stories and I see posts educating about racism, I read them. And I would hope that you guys do too. Um, I actually was going through Instagram last night, kind of preparing for this podcast, um, further educating myself to make sure that I actually knew what I was talking about and didn't sound like a complete idiot. Um, and I saw this one post. I'm not sure who posted it. Um, one of the big Instagram accounts that I follow that I get a lot of my information from is, um, so you want to talk about, I love their Instagram account and also, um, shit you should care about. I think that's what it's called. I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll talk about them further at the end. Um, But I was going through their posts and there was one picture of this woman at a protest holding up a sign that said, why are we still fighting about racism? Something along those lines. I don't know if that was verbatim. Um, And that, honestly, that's really what it comes down to. Like, why are, why is this a discussion? Like, why are we not agreeing that racism should not exist and that all people are people? And that, yes, all lives matter, but all lives cannot matter until Black Lives Matter and minority lives matter. And that's, Black Lives Matter is literally the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And I think I think a big thing is, too, is I know a lot of people are, you know, who are white, who are, oh, well, I'm white, I can't really say anything. I, I don't have anything to talk, put, throw my hat into the ring. Yeah. Like, But at the end of the day, it's not... It's not a political issue, and it, it should never have become a political issue. But the problem is, is that it, it's it's a human rights issue. Yeah, for It's sure. a, do you care, love and care for the person that you've never met before in your entire life? You know, do you care about the person who lives three states away 
in a completely different neighborhood than you, who makes a different level of income than you, who has a pool behind their house, who, you know, do you care about that person? And at, if do you care that their rights are being met? Because at the end of the day, we all agree that we all live in a, you know, a democracy uh, who believes in, you know, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Like, we, we all agreed, you know, at some point, state, and time that uh, we live in this country where there is this social contract. But the idea that not everyone's getting their rights to that social contract. And it doesn't just, it, it really... I mean, if we want to talk really truly talk about racism, it doesn't just end at, at black people. It it ends with it it doesn't end with indigenous people, it doesn't end with Latinos, it doesn't end with, it it it's a problem that's been going on for forever in this country. But, you know, a huge part of this is just because you're white doesn't mean you can have a voice in this and take a stand. It doesn't mean that you need to drown out, you know, voices that mat voices that matter on the topics, you know, you just because you're white doesn't mean that you've had the same experiences with racism as someone who's black. But at the end of the day, you're still allowed to have these opinions. You're still allowed to be able to take a stand. And most importantly, do. Like, do take a stand. Because, yeah. like, that's what, that's what matters. You know, we need people who are voting. We need people signing petitions. We need people, you know, running for local offices, you know, understanding politics um because this isn't unfortunately as you just said like why are we still fighting racism uh, this isn't something that's going to disappear tonight yeah it's not something that's going to disappear tomorrow next week next month probably not even next year unfortunately it's going to be a generational change that needs to happen and i hope that you know when we have kids it'll be getting better and when they have kids it'll be getting better but, like, this is something that needs people now taking a true, solid stand. Yeah, agreed. I also want to talk about, um, just because I had this in my notes, because, yes, I had notes because I was nervous for this. <laughs> um, Black Lives Matter. So, I know there's a lot of people out there that say, oh, well, all lives matter. Like, Everyone matters. You can't just say Black Lives Matter. Um, I just want to say, um, shut the fuck up real quick. So what the way I've been explaining it to these idiots is, so the Boston Marathon bombing. After that, there was the huge kind of outbreak of Boston Strong. And everyone had t-shirts with it. Everyone had the stickers, everything. Um, and then also kind of the phrase, the future is female. I know I have a sticker of that um, sitting on my laptop right now. So, the let me just think about what I'm about to say. So, the way I've been explaining Black Lives Matter is when we say Boston strong, obviously, it doesn't mean that, oh, all other cities are weak. That everyone else doesn't matter. It's only Boston. And when we say the future is female... We don't mean, oh, no, there's not going to be any other genders up in the future. There's only females. Sorry, men. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, and that's what, how I explain Black Lives Matter. It's by highlighting these under-respected, under-appreciated groups of people and 
giving them that platform and giving them the power and giving them the spotlight and giving them the help they need to heal and become respected and kind of gain that freedom finally that they have been needing for so, so long. So I just, I don't know. What are your thoughts when people say all lives matter? I think the first thing is is ignorance. I think that the people who who are, are saying this are, are not... I don't think that someone who says all lives matter is is racist. I don't think they're they're that right away. You know, they if someone if someone says that to me on the street, you know, and that's the only thing I've heard them say, I don't know if they're racist. They haven't said anything else. I think what they are, they're ignorant. I think that they are they are choosing not to look at the problems that are in this country and choosing not to look at the the diversity of this country. I think that that's a, that's a big problem, and I've always had a huge problem with the statement of, oh, I don't see color, I'm colorblind. Well, by saying, oh, I don't see color, everyone is gray, or everyone is green, you know, that's basically saying, well, you know, I don't see the, the, the systematic injustices that you've had to face, and the, and the lack of systematic injustices that you've had to face, and the privilege that you get and and things like that because that's that's how the world works like that's not not everyone is gray not everyone is green not everyone's just a single color you know everyone is different color so saying that you're colorblind is saying that oh well i'm blind to people other people's struggles the the phrase all lives matter is a very similar phrase to that because what that all that is is that's just ignorance to me in the sense that that's someone saying it's not I don't care what you have to deal with we all have to deal with hard hardship in our lives so you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps and yeah. just try to keep living the American way and and that's where I have a big problem with is that it's it's not that it's a it is rooted in racism because it is. I mean, it's a direct, you know, answer to, oh, oh Black Lives Matter. Well, no, all lives matter. But, you know, at the same time, it's a, it's a phrase that's also purely built out of ignorance because pe those people who are saying that just truly do not understand, you know, what the issues are that are going on in this country. So... Well said, well said. All right, so now we're going to move into the interview section of the Sweatshirt Chronicles. Uh, we're not going to be doing this every week, but for some topics, we're definitely going to make sure we have someone on. For ones that we're especially unqualified especially for. Especially unqualified for, like today. Uh, we're going to be bringing on El Sek. He is my best friend. I've known him for the past six years. We met as juniors in high school, and we both basically became attached to the hip and went to the same school. I'm from Massachusetts. He's from Queens, uh, but we ended up going to the same school, lived in two different countries together, uh, was roommates with each other for three and a half years, and yeah, so... Here we want to make sure that we can give um, black voices uh, a voice on this topic. We're, we're both extremely, extremely unqualified on this, and and we're both, you know, extremely white. Extremely white. So we wanted to make sure that we can we can ask someone, um, you know, 
their opinion and and their perspective on things because at the end of the day listening to two white people talk about racism is is as ridiculous as i don't know mice talking about the (laughs) intricacies of a mouse trap i don't know uh so yeah we uh will now get into our uh, our interview with hodge here we go Welcome back. Um, now we are going to get into our interview section with El Hodge Sec, my longtime roommate and best friend. Uh, El Hodge, you want to introduce yourself a little bit? What's up, everyone? My name is El Hodge Sec. Um, I'm Leo's one of Leo's closest friends, but not his best friend. Uh, we've met in the 11th grade, uh, and we went through Mercy College together for almost four years. And thank you, Leo, for having me on your podcast. I'm excited for this. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, so let's let's get right into it. Um, and uh, tell me a little bit about your your from Queens. Um, you know, you're yeah. you're a black man. What is what has been your experience throughout your life with racism? Have you experienced it? What has it been like? Have you seen any of it in your community? Um, have you seen any of it when you were at school? Um, when you, we both studied abroad in Paris together, did you see any of it there? Um, just what has been your experience with racism throughout your life? So as a black man, um, I've been blessed so far not to have any detrimental experiences with racism. Um, however, I come across come across it a few times throughout my life. Um, as Like you said, when we went to France, uh, going there as American is bad enough. <laughs> as you go there in France, uh, you have to try to adapt to their culture try to at least speak their language because if you don't speak French, they look at you in a different way. Um, there are a lot of Africans over there as well and a lot of Africans already in that society at a lower level than the white community in France as well. Um, so going there and being an American and trying to speak broken French, sometimes when you're communicating with French officials and stuff, they give you these looks. Um, they look at you in a different way, but it was nice going to an American school too because there were a lot of kids from different backgrounds and different uh, ethnicities that welcomed uh, welcomed us with open arms. So I learned more French through them than <laughs> communicating outside of school. Um, also, growing up, I mean, in elementary school in, in Queens, uh, we have teachers from different backgrounds. I had a few issues with teachers in school, um, always, I guess, putting me in a situation where I'm the troubled child. Uh, me as a child, I was never a troubled child. I, in school, I would admit, I, I talk a lot in class. If I finish my work first, I'm talking throughout class. But I feel like certain things I, w- I would get picked on in school um, more than other kids in my class just because I was um, a black child. So, But my parents have always taught me as far as uh, socially to stay home, stay home, not to go out late. I try not to, I, 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 I explore my friends, I hang out with my friends but I'd never make it a habit to go outside of my house late, 10 o'clock at night, come back at two, three in the morning. I don't make that habit because at that point we're, we're targets. I feel like we're targets. So um, I take care of my business throughout the daylight hours and I, that, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's really mm-hmm. it. So, but you, I mean, you know, your name, your name is El Hodge. Um, it's right. a Muslim name. Have you right. ever experienced anything 
with that, with people maybe having prejudice against you because of your name when they hear it or before they see you or anything like that? Uh, I wouldn't, in New York City, luckily we have a, one of the most diverse cities in the, in the world. I haven't really had any I issues with prejudice, but I've had issues with people being ignorant. So when they see my name in high school and middle school, they would make fun of my name, mispronounce it on purpose and things of that nature. But um, never really had a problem with my name. Um, let's see. People with really people just ask me more about what my name means, where where it's from, where I come from, and that's that's the great thing about living in New York City. Um, people are always looking to learn more about each other's cultures. Um, I, I once would love to move down to the south, but as growing up now in the past couple of years, that that mindset has changed. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to leave New York just because it feels like home and an old home, uh, and people are always uh, accepting. Um, of mm. other people. So I, I've been fortunate to have not have too many scenarios with uh, racism. Yeah. And, and for those who are listening who don't um, know your background, um, know where your family's from, explain a little bit of where the name El Hodge comes from and uh, where your family's from. Okay. So my mom is from Guyana in South Africa. I mean, South America. Sorry, South America. My dad is from Senegal, which is in West Africa. That's the first country that you hit coming from the U.S. over the Atlantic, um, Senegal. So Senegal and a lot of countries in West Africa and Northern Africa are Muslim countries primarily. Um, my dad was born Muslim. Um, he named me after his grand, uh, his father, my grandfather. So his name was El Hajj Sek. Um, El Hajj itself is a title that Muslims get, Muslim men get when they travel to Mecca, which is in Saudi Arabia. It's our pilgrimage where we have an obligation as a Muslim to visit once in our lifetime. It's obviously expensive to go there, especially during the month of Ramadan where we fast, our holy month. Um, but that's the ideal time to go. Uh, once a man goes there and does his journey and takes his journey to Mecca and comes back, he is given the title El Hajj. So my family actually called me by my my middle name, Keba, or Keba, however you would like to pronounce it. You guys pronounce, call me Keba around campus all the time. Had strangers call me Kevin. I don't even know these people. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, I don't mind. It's my name. Uh, growing up, sometimes too, as kids, like kids wouldn't make fun of you growing up. Like you have a, it was, trust me, actually, in New York City growing up, from the ages five to ten, it wasn't cool to be African. You were, the, you were made fun of. Like I'm telling you right now, you got you were made fun of. Mm -hmm. And it was obviously most of the time was out of love. Like I wouldn't take it as being bullied or anything like that. That's just who I am. But my parents taught me to uh, to love myself, so I always embraced my name regardless. But you never went back by to like us, a nickname or anything. Even when people you just call me Hodge. Hodge. Um, I I I kind of I don't like when people call me L. <laughs> a lot of people call me L, but I rather I rather Hodge. Um, but yeah, um, going to Mecca as a Muslim person, that's how you get the name El Hodge. Um. And people find it strange that I'm like, I'm named after my grandfather. Like usually that's a, you're named after your father, but I, I, I'll take it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we just, 9-11 just passed on um, the 19th anniversary of 9-11. Did you, right. you know, we were both alive for that. We both um, have some memory of it uh, to an extent. Did you, after 9-11, you know, there was, there was a good, sense of of unity but there was also you know for a long period there was a lot of after effects of of 
anti-Muslim like sediment and things like that. Did you, with your name now, you're, you're not, you're not Brown, you're, you're black, you're a black man, you know, you're not Arab, um, you're African, but did you ever, you know, experience anything um, in school or anything like that with people, you know, knowing your name and calling you like things based on you being Muslim or was it mainly just since it's so diverse, no one really even noticed? Right. Um, throughout middle school and high school, I, I keep mentioning these uh, points in my life because that's kind of the transition where, yeah, you're, you grow up, you're taught maybe stereotypes and then you're exposed to like uh, people from different ethnicities and then you start developing your own ideas on your own. So throughout these times, when people would make jokes about oh, Muslims and terrorist attacks and stuff, I wouldn't entertain them. I would just educate them. Uh, Islam is a as a religion of peace anybody who is practices islam and claims that they're muslim and they don't believe that uh they believe that they're the aryan race or they don't believe in world peace or they have any prejudices towards any other group they're not a muslim the word muslim even in the quran technically means a person who believes in god so we consider people to be muslim whether you're christian uh uh, Jew, Jewish, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, but growing up, I always, I've always uh, educated my friends, um, and and I honestly, I told them to cut it out <laughs> because it's not cool. Because people, they 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 spread these prejudice things, and kids growing up, if no one's teaching them, they start believing these things and these ideas about other people that necessarily they're half the time they're not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's how racism like trickles on people being taught bad ideas, bad faiths. Um, and I, I was telling my brother before too, like racism, really what controls racism is like your parents and us. Racism right. is taught. It's taught. You can't, you can you don't, you're not born racist. Mm-hmm. Kids are born to love, smile. And when they cry half the time is either one, they're hungry or they want attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're not born racist at all. It's taught. So anytime I have friends that, wanted to make fun of Muslims or any 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 group of people I, I tend to cut that conversation out and and just put it to a halt that's it yeah yeah so that that's a good transition into you know the current state of affairs and and I think that you know as a country unfortunately there's still a lot of people who who haven't been educated and haven't been you know had felt like they had the experiences that um that you have had or even that that I've had knowing you you know um mm-hmm. i mean i've i've known you for what feels like forever now and right right you know it's it's i feel like it's that alone i mean i come from i grew up in i lived in dc for a while so i came from a very diverse um community but then when i moved up to massachusetts like it was it was very, it was very whitewashed, you know, and it was, then I went back down to New York city, which is the complete opposite. I mean, I remember the first time you came up here and you made a joke like, <laughs> Oh my God, I'm, I'm like, there's no one up here. That's like me. Yeah, right. Right. And I, I always, I like, it's definitely, you know, being so close with you is, is opened my eyes, but like, what is your view on the current state of affairs of the country like what do you what do you how do you interpret like things like especially you know following george floyd's death um back in in the beginning of end of may beginning of june 
know, what, what did that make? How did that make you feel? And like, what, where has that, where, where are you now? Where has that taken you? So at that point in time, it, it made me feel very, like, very scared. I, and I, I'm not a person who's a fearful person in most situations. I know I can't ice skate, but I'm not a fearful person <laughs> in most situations. But um, as a black man, seeing that, it's just like, at this point in, in our country, I feel like as a country, we're in trouble. We're in trouble because situations like those can be solved with a leader that can put things in place where that won't happen again or give out repercussions where um, the person who's done wrong will get what they deserve. In that case, just shows you how our country is just so lopsided. Like we talk about the constitution all the time, but we, we favor what we want out of the constitution. We want certain things out of the constitution, but we don't, we don't consider the whole thing. There's no way that we can say as a country that oh, right now um, everyone's free everyone's free everyone's treated equally that's that's wrong and when i seen that it just shows how our country's people can get away with things as inhumane as what happened to george floyd uh, rest 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 in peace to him and prayers to his family um without having any repercussions and that's terrible because as a black man i don't i like i said i've never been pulled over never been arrested but I, I, like I said, I don't put myself in those situations at all. So I don't even, it's scary to even think that, oh, I have to live life now one day at a time. Think about what I'm going to do every day because you can walk out, go into the store, get pulled over. You don't know what's going to happen. That's terrible. Like look, thinking like what, what's going on is terrible. You hear about this stuff from like Malcolm X. You hear about it in the textbooks growing up in school. And you kind of don't believe it because you haven't lived through it. But now we're living through it. And it's like, wow, this is some serious stuff. Um, so right now where I'm at, I just encourage my friends like to vote. We really have to vote like as a person, as a person with intelligence or a person with a brain, even if you think that voting does not count by you not voting gives you zero chance of your voting, your vote counting, whether you think it counts or not. So I give your chance, yourself the chance to speak and be a part of this country and make change by voting because certain things that's going on in this country could easily be fixed or it could be in a much better situation because people that are in charge can be doing better things than just sitting back and letting the public do things on their own and try to let the public handle it. Mm-hmm. No, that, I mean, I agree with you a thousand percent. I think from every single level, you know, voting is important, not just at the, the presidential level, but also at the local, right. you know, right. it, it matters just as much. Right. For sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I'm not the type of person to even bash people or go, uh, go in too much in detail on how uh, certain people aren't doing the right things, but you can just look at it from this perspective. Going back to an example, for some person, police do raids when they have warrants. They do raids and they're, they're by law, they're allowed to do that. That's part of their job. But when a, some person makes a mistake as detrimental taking someone's life while they're sleeping, and then the worst thing that happens to them is, oh, they lose their job or you're laid off for a couple of weeks. Like, that's, that's not cool. Because if I was to do that, people, if I was to do that, I'm losing my life. I lose everything. Mm-hmm. Not just my job. I lose everything. I might, I might go to jail and die before I even finish my sentence. That's, that's how life works um, for me. But for, that, for, for white people sometimes, like, it's white privileges. It's, it's real. And people that don't 
want to believe that and they're just they're ignorant or they have hatred in their heart because mm -hmm. at this point what i tell my white friends i tell you sometimes um i'm glad i'm happy about i'm really i appreciate you a lot for um um appreciating our culture trying to learn more about the black culture supporting um our black community and making our voices heard by attending rallies uh supporting foundations that are towards our cause i really appreciate it because we have to not only white people but black people too we have to be educated about what's going on our culture and just spread the message that hey all lives can't matter till black lives matter um yeah. all lives matter can't can't matter till latino lives matter uh, all this this world is in trouble like we're in trouble and the only way we can fix it is by educating ourselves educate educating ourselves educating our descendants and just spreading the message around the country whatever with any opportunity that we have that's it mm -hmm. and so you know you bring up a good point there is is about appreciating the culture loving the culture and then also supporting the people um right you know what what can white out what what can white people do you know what can white people who you know who recognize their privilege who recognize their their position in society um but you know who maybe aren't from very diverse communities maybe aren't from a, a new york city um and what can what can they do um what can listeners do who who want to be part of the conversation but don't want to you know get in the way um don't mm -hmm. want to get do the wrong thing what can they do in your opinion um to be a better ally to be a better just to be a better human being you know but also be an ally to the black community and be an ally to the movement right so um first recognizing like white privilege is a thing and going around and going about society as just assuming that racism plays into part in society and we it's not good to assume but in this situation we have to because it's everywhere and it's hidden sometimes it's hidden sometimes it could be right in front of your face and you don't see it um so starting by doing that and also speaking to the black people that you know don't be afraid to ask questions like i don't know what stereotypes or what ideas has been put into certain people's brains growing up um but just ask us questions have a friend even if it's not a friend a colleague ask them questions about their culture where they're from learn more about them um learn more about if they were born in a black community learn ask them about their community just educate yourself through them use them as your best resource to learn more about the culture and then try to understand what makes them the person that they are today from how they grew up because a lot of us we've had a lot of challenges growing up a lot of a lot of challenges for a black man in this country we have to work sometimes two three four times as hard to get what the white man uh, has in his possession so um doing that uh also, um, I lost my train of thought. Um, sorry, sorry. Can we pause this? Yeah, you just, keep, just keep going. It's it's not the end of the world. I mean, the I I see where I see where you're 100 percent going. I mean, I think that you know, as as someone who has is white, you know, and has been around, um, has been around you, and has been around like the black community for quite a few years. Um, in my own personal experience that it that is the big thing is that it's it's asking questions you know it's it's right. not 
it's not just talking over. It's not just expecting the same. It's not just assuming or anything. It's, it's, it really truly is asking questions and asking why, asking how, asking what, um, and, and not necessarily a black thing, but I, I'll never forget, like we, you and I went to the Vatican together when we were in Europe. Um, and I'll never forget the walk back from when we walked to, um, St. Peter's square. I'm so bad at my Catholic knowledge of, of what is in the Vatican. But when we were in the Vatican square, I'll never forget the walk back that we had after hanging out in there for a little while and just people watching the walk back that we had about comparing and contrasting, you know, Christianity and Islam. Um, and a big part of that was, was me asking, was me feeling as a Catholic feeling, wow, that was pretty powerful that I was just at the Vatican and asking you, what did that mean to you? You know, right. what is that? What does that mean to you? And, it, and the same, I think applies to, you know, the color of our skin, you know, we all experience things differently. So, you know, if you have a friend um, who is black and, you know, you're both hanging out and you experience, you talk about an experience that you had, and, you know, they say they had the same thing. You say, you should ask, well, what did, what did, was that like, you know, like, right. you know, is that different for you? Because I think that that's what not enough people do is that they don't ask their um, friends who are minorities. Like, how is that different? you know, everyone thinks that, oh, well, they all just had the same experience. And I, I think a lot yeah, of no. blind to it. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, even, even like, even with you, for example, like, we, yeah, yeah, I, I don't even know how to like add on to that. But um, even with you growing up and growing up in New York City, growing up in a predominantly black community, and then going to college and then having my roommate, that's white, not only be me and my roommate, but my best friend and like my brother, brother to me, like you can't, you can't see, you can't see uh, color within people at all. Um, going back to even children, one of my favorite videos is, I don't, it's a viral video, you've probably seen it before, it's, the, it's in New York City, a black toddler and a white toddler running towards each other, hugging each other because they haven't seen each other in a long time. Kids, growing up, we don't, we don't see color. Um, it was another video, a uh, white, white man showing his son uh, two dolls, a black doll and a white doll. He was asking his son, hey, do you see any difference between these two dolls? And the son would say, hey, uh, her shirt is blue and her, her shirt is red. She's wearing shoes and she's wearing heels. Her hair is curly. Her hair is short. He didn't mention one thing about skin color at all. So as a white person, like, if you just if you come to us as just a person, because we all are part of the human race, we're all equal. No one should be seen as uh, better than the next person. You shouldn't feel inferior to any other person at all. Um, but we can learn a lot from each other. Black people can educate black people about each other, because there's a lot of us African Americans that don't know too much about our of our African history at all. Um, so we can all learn from each other, and just by asking questions on a daily not being afraid just having a conversation it's just a conversation the most important thing about having a conversation is having listening skills mm. listening skills just being able to listen uh understand the perspectives and and take 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 what you get and soak it in and then apply it to your life 
Awesome. Yeah. Well, th- thank you, Hodge, for, for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and your, uh, your viewpoints on, on the current state of affairs in our country. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. So we want to close this episode and actually all of our episodes we plan on doing this with kind of a list of things that you can be doing to help out and also resources to educate yourselves on the topic. So um, we put together kind of a list of things that you can do to get involved. And I think that at the top of the list, most important is to vote if you are 18 or even younger than 18 you can pre-register to vote um but if you're 18 especially you need to be registered to vote you need to be actively voting whether that just be in your town elections or for the presidential election um no matter how big or how small and and a big thing with that too is that now is the time to start registering you know the election the main big election that everyone knows presidential election but there's a lot of a lot of different questions that are going to be on that ballot for the state level. There's going to be state reps that are up for that. There's going to be uh, local reps that are up for that. That election is going to be huge in November, and you can register to vote on social media. You know, I saw and I got a you know everyone gets those Snapchat at like the holidays. I got one like yesterday that said, "Hey, are Did you, you registered?" Really? Yeah, it was like, "Hey, are you registered to vote yet?" I love and it's like that. you can click here and sign up to register to vote through Snapchat. So wow. all of these so yeah all these social medias are right now are putting out huge like get They're out making mm, it so easy for right. you. So if you can do it. It's not that hard to sign up. It's really it's, not. It's not that hard to request an absentee ballot if you're not in your state or you're not close enough to a And local once you're booth. registered, sis, you're in. Like it's done. Yep. You got that for the rest of your life. You never have to do it again. So, yes, number one, vote. Um, also on our list is, again, what this whole episode is about. Using your platform, using your privilege, um, speaking up. So that is a huge thing. That That's the whole point of this episode that we're trying to get across. Um, also, educating yourself. I know that was also a big point in this podcast, talking about the different ways you can educate yourself. You There are so many social media accounts. Um, my main source of information is Instagram, but me and Leah were just talking about there's tons of Twitter accounts you can go to. There's tons of podcasts. There's tons of movies, TV shows, books out there. And they're all about this topic and educating yourself so that you have a platform to stand on and you're able to prove your point and you're able to speak up when people are being blatantly racist um so that's a big one also going with that is protesting um that's kind of a way like we had said at the very beginning of this podcast to use your privilege to go out there and protest while amplifying these black voices um so that is hugely important um and so we also want to share these social media accounts that we talked about um to educate yourself so on Instagram, my number one go-to for any information is um, So You Want to Talk About. That is my absolute favorite. Their whole feed, each um, picture is kind of like a slideshow on different topics, whether it be 
feminist issues, whether it be political issues, social issues, anything you can think of, environmental issues, they have it there, I promise. And after even reading just one post, like, you will know so much more, I promise. Um, also, another one is Impact. That's another social media account, Instagram account. I'm not sure if they have Twitter. As well as Change with No A. That's another one of my favorites. One that Leo talked about was um, this Erwin Hines, if you want to talk about that. Yeah, Erwin Hines um, is just a creator. Um, he's an artist and a creator uh, who I just really, really like. Um, he's designed some really cool shirts, um, one of which that I bought. Uh, that just simply says uh, you can't love the culture and not uh, respect love the people Um, and and he just puts out some really powerful messages he also co-founded my other Instagram share which is um, experience crafted uh, which he I believe co-founded and that's who I bought the shirt from they put out a lot of different material about Black Lives Matter and about um, issues that are going on in this country and in different communities around this country. So definitely another one to check out on Instagram. Um, we also had some Twitter accounts. I'm not huge on Twitter, but Leo definitely is. But I am very big on Twitter. Um, my uh, personal favorite that I've been following recently, especially after everything that's been going on in Portland, is Max Smith. That's M-S-M-I-F-F. Um, he is a local organizer, um, in Portland who live streams. Portland's been protesting for over a hundred nights in a row now at this point. Um, and Max Smith has been there on the front lines, helping organize, helping, uh, set up tents, helping donate, uh, put out water, things like that. And he live streams, uh, pretty much every night. And it's, it's kind of, eye-opening at times because it's things that you're not seeing on the media um you know things like the fact that portland is burning to the ground is really not true it's just doing its normal thing and during the day and at night you know they're protesting and then like people come and instigate it so uh and then the other one is and i couldn't i swear i had another one i could not find if i find it i'll put it in the episode notes all of these will be in the episode notes yeah um, but another person who I love to follow, two actually, and now that I'm remembering another one, is Elon Omar and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on Twitter. AOC is literally my idol. They are both, um, in, I mean, both very big progressive voices. Um, they are uh, great um, when it comes to just putting out um, and exemplifying the need for minority voices in this country. Uh, so yeah, those two I would also highly recommend. They're more on a on a politician level, but it's still important to hear what these politicians have to say about yeah. things like this. Um, if you don't follow AOC, you need to take out your phone, literally right now, and follow her on everything. She is, she's my idol. Um, I won't go into it because I'm sure we'll have another podcast episode on it. But yeah, that wraps up our first episode episode um, one we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours as i'm sure most people could right now but we will spare you um so i hope that you walk away from this having learned something or having learned something like yeah. i said um that is our number one goal to kind of help you 
understand or find resources or find ways that you can help out. That's the whole point of this. So um, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next week. Yeah. Sweatshirt Chronicles. Woo!